right, good afternoon. Let's, let's, let's begin next to him. 157. Psalms 47. All you nations, clap your hands. Shout to God in celebration. For the sovereign Lord is awe-inspiring. He is the great king who rules the Lord. He subdued the nations beneath us and countries underneath our feet. He's picked out for us a special land to be a source of pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended his throne amid loud shouts. The Lord has ascended his throne amid the blaring of the ram's horns. Sing to God, sing. Sing to our king, sing for God is king of the whole earth. Sing a well-written song. God reigns over all the nations. And God sits on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations are assembling, along with the people of God of Abraham. For God is authority over the rulers of the earth. And we say, Lord, you are highly exalted. We lift up your name, Lord. Exalt you in this place. Amen.
Singing on 
your thirsty souls, and I am the light for your dark spots. Oh, come, keep pressing in. There is no end in me, my sons, my daughters. My love knows no bounds. Luke 17, 20. And now at one point, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when the kingdom of God was coming. And so he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. say, look, here it is, or there, for indeed, the sense of the word of the Lord, for indeed the kingdom of God He's telling me I'll purposely shrink back everything that is observable to you. That which you would put your trust in. To create a transference. Transference, he's showing me this of, of stardust, the transference of stardust. Now I'll, I'll put inside of you to the proportion that you trust me and believe me from what is outside of you, that you will not place your observation on what is outside of you, but the one, the one who is in you. The kingdom of God is not coming by outward observation. Everything that we may have placed our trust in, in the outward thing. There's a reciprocity for the Lord with us. Recept reciprocity. I'll take that which you trust me. You trust me fully by what you don't see. What you try to see in the natural and I'll give you me. The one who is unseen. The Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're changing our focus, Father, to the kingdom of God within us. To the king within us. To you, to you, to you. 
Eyes on the Lord, eyes on the Lord, eyes on the Lord. Christ in me, the hope of glory. out of Amos 9 where the dust the stardust is coming down out of the sieve in Amos 9 9 all the pebbles being held back but just the dust the stardust of the Lord falling down falling down this document comes up on my phone called stardust and peptides for the healing of the Lord and to come into our beings and literally transfigure us from the inside out, changing the very constitution, rebuilding, restoring everything that's been broken, everything inside. Light breaking forth. Light, light, light in the kingdom. Light. Receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. 
worship again. Um, the word kept saying to me, he said, uh, the black stone, the black stone. And uh, I said, I don't, what do you mean, the black stone? What, what are you saying? I said, the black stone, the, we just called the Al-Haraja Al-Aswad. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. The black stone, the rock that is set in the corner of the, uh, the Kaaba, it's in the, the Grand Mosque in the middle of uh, Mecca in Saudi Arabia. And as you know, many people, millions, maybe billions, will take a journey called the Hajj. Are you all familiar with that? And, and some say that this stone is like, it was a meteorite that came out of the air and then they, they put like this thing around like a portal to look into it. Now, struggling with that, obviously, trying to figure out what are you talking to me about the black stone for Lord Whip? What's the issue? Um, what do you, what do you, you know, you have for us today? Now, I just try to say this the way it's coming in my spirit from the Lord. It's like, man has sought uh, to venerate objects um, to, to seek these observable objects of the, almost in a way, worship. So looking for that which is observable so that they can find a place or a location that gives them a sense of stability and satisfaction and knowing that we're going to be okay and we're gathered together around this venerated object. And, and as we know it, we know in the church we call that idolatry. And we know that the word strictly forbid, but It's like speaking to me, how much of the kingdom of God are you looking for to be observable? What do you see in your observation? And is it affecting you? Um, yes. Yes, it does. It affects us. Um, and then he's like, this seems strange to me, but the reason why that they can't like discern, observe dark matter is because I won't let them see it unless I put my, I have to activate it myself. I'm not letting mankind have an observation of something else like this that they can, can control or observe, even though that we the scientists have got down to the Higgs boson, what they call the God particle, though we have got down to that capacity and on a standard particle model or a standard particle physics model, the area that we're breaching into as a congregation today is that which the Lord himself has to do. Because he had created us in such a way that we were made to integrate with that, which we call space. What appears to be dark, there was a, there's an integration that, that he brings mankind to so that he has brought us to a place of, um, like, like the psalmist said in Psalms 8, what is man that you're mindful of us? 
I think this humility that's in this room that we've been brought to is a permission for the Lord in the lack of observation to begin to open up around let's say of what is called the dark matter and begin to like like it's like I could see it like coming down and falling like speculated down upon us and if you've had a chance to go back and listen to quintessence if you can have that thanks to him entering into another place in that event having to deal with the idolatry and the high places the reason why the world was so angry at the kings of Israel, kings of judah was because it was like something was being withheld from the people like like the very substance of our humanity would have been withheld but the lord wouldn't release it where there was a people that were worshiping that which is born out of observation that which we produced and made isaiah 66 the earth you know the earth uh, is the lord's and then it's his footstool um, what place could you make for me to rest what could you design what design could you come up with for me to have a place to rest there's no design that we could come up with there's no model um, for us of the church planet there's no model there's no model it's, there's no model he is. He has to be the model himself. Him himself is the model. He's the archetype, the true model. And so then he began to see this. I don't want to withhold the. Uh, it's like we're, we're made of dust. And this thing comes up on. I said stardust and peptides. If you know anything about peptides, amazing agents uh, in the body that leads to, let's say, and our doctors know this better than I do, but lead to restoration, healing, um, different kind of properties that can aid in things happening and speeding up processes um, quickly. What's being offered to us by the Father today? Articulated stardust falling out of the heavens where a people have turned their eyes to him to worship him like we are. Falling down into the very human frame, whether you can see it or not. And the properties of it are these carbon molecules and different things, uh, 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 peptide-type molecules that the Lord can install inside the human being and will literally retrofit our person what for transfiguration this is this event stardust and peptide this is happening it's like the best deal going it's like the best thing you can imagine it's it's being integrated with the life of god inside 
restoring and repairing and making all things new and inside. It's, it's, it affects everything in us. And so when we make room for Him like we are doing and we have, we make room for the Lord. A few weeks ago, this is why the, I believe the admonition comes from the Lord about the entraining agents. So begin to remove them so that the peptide, the stardust can come in and fill the voids of what we were made for. And some of the things that we put our hope in to give us, he said, the Lord would give us so much more of himself. And training agents being those things which bring us some sort of satisfaction, but it's temporary. I give you myself. Feel in the voids. You can't see it, but on the authority of God's word, and as a spokesman for him, I'm telling you from the Lord. It's from the Lord. Like it's almost like he would show me, he's like, I would crush a meteorite and just completely run it into bits down to a powder-type form and sprinkle something over of humanity and give us something that that which is maybe that was what Adam and Eve were experiencing and they had had in their frame that's why they lived so many years they never had something they received from the world no in the middle of what we just went through I don't have to do this because the, the receiver is you. There's a simple receptivity that I believe that many of you have already entered into, and so I don't have to uh, bring you forward because the Lord's telling me this is being received within your congregation already. But you need a debrief. But to know that, um, yeah, the life of God is falling and transfiguring and changing us. Something that can only be born out of worship like we've experienced. Something, this is why, I mean, it's not why we worship, we worship Him because He deserves it and we love Him, but He's so good to give so much more of Himself to us. So maybe if, if you want to just thank the Lord, you know, it's just thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, uh, thank you. We'd be like the one leper who goes back and says, I thank you, you know, I'm grateful to you. You're doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. We can't heal ourselves, we can't repair ourselves, we can't fix everything. We especially can't transfigure ourselves. But we give thanks to you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We're grateful to you. Grateful for your goodness. Grateful, grateful, grateful. Grateful to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
And uh, that's is it all is a really cool story. But right after that, the Holy Spirit started speaking and saying, um, I think it was in the fire department days when we were out there. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a people that are um, uh, uh, seven facet of they're, they're going to overcome in all seven aspects of the uh, book of Revelation, and. And I'm going to uh, call that company of people, uh, or it's called in Revelation 12, a, a man-child. And then the Lord let me uh, not amend the text, but and that's where this idea of star-child came forth. Um, uh, because Abram, Ab- Abram was promised a, a star-like seed. Uh, uh, and, and so it was put together that a star-child, or... The heart of a child would be put together with a star-type people. But the star-type people would be... Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a uh, seven-star general, but there's no such thing. Um, We have four stars and five stars that run whole theaters. Like, a five-star would be over... For instance, um, um, I think we may have some five-stars that run whole theater operations where they would be over um, all the different services. Like um, and run run the, the whole theater like a you know a Japanese theater or a European theater and so that's a pretty big dog that's running in the war department at a five star level. And Lord's like, no, I will have a people that are seven star, and uh, you're going to call them a star rock, a star O C K overcomer king, or Q for queen. You know, I'll have a people like this, and they're going to overcome. Now, there's some people that believe that everything that Jesus has done for us is readily ours, meaning that some people in the church believe that they're already an overcomer without overcoming anything. (laughs) I want to tell you that's not true. It says, if you overcome. And I want to make that clear because there is a brand of Christianity that believes uh, in some kind of strange process of sanctification. They take justification which is God saves you at his own will and desire, and he saves those whom he wants to, and that's his decision, and they make sanctification the same way. And I, I want to clearly tell you, sanctification is a partnership with the Lord. It's something that's paid for. The blood is paid for your full sanctification leading to glorification, but it's a partnership with him, meaning that you can say no to the Lord and it basically stymies your growth. Your human development is um, limited to the point of your no. And it's accelerated with your yes. And so that's a presupposition that's behind everything that's happening here. And I don't know that I've ever even really said it like that. But the presupposition is that you want to get engaged with what the Lord is doing. And you want this indwelling spirit, if you have the indwelling spirit, the Holy Spirit, you want to commune with him, listen to what he's saying, and that's not something someone else can do for you. The indwelling spirit, the very spirit of God must direct you and guide you and lead you. He leads you into all truth. He leads you uh, to lift up the Lord Jesus. And so out of that experience, it leads you through a path and a journey of that he's got you on. And so, like, one of the heights of that, and that I'll kind of highlight this, is this star child company. 
uh, in the end of the age. The Lord's raising up out of, the, out of an order called Melchizedek. God is raising up in the end of the age that will be the, uh, rule, the ruling government on the earth, uh, even now transitioning with him to transition the earth over governmentally for his return. And we're caught up right in the middle of that. And I wouldn't take your relationship with Jesus lightly. I'm not saying you do. But um, I'll just say, I'll say this because I, I felt like I was pretty loyal to the Lord and I was like committed to him until Apollyon came to my house or to Tom's house where we were living and visited me and uh, tried to jerk my life force out of my body. And I know, Carol, you've lost it. No, I haven't. And I remember the Lord said, you know, I'm, I'm going to raise up the fallen booth, Amos 9-11, but I'm, he sends Apollyon, Revelation 9-11, on the same weekend of 9-11, riding on the floor saying, if this is what COVID is, no wonder everybody's scared half out of their wits. And that week I said, Lord, was that really, was that really Apollyon? And I kid you not, down 25, headed towards Asheville, a car pulls in front of me, and on the tag it says Apollyon. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, well... And then I think Jeff called me on Friday and I hadn't told him the story and starts talking about Sheba the Destroyer. I don't know if you remember that. And he brings up the very the same kind of thing because Apollyon means destroyer. And he brings it up uh, how they have the Sheba at CERN. Um, so, and, and what's going on on, that, on the particle physics side and with, in the worship, uh, I guess, science and, and, and not the Lord, let's just say and so, and the reason why I bring that up was because when the Lord had says to me on Monday after my experience with Apollyon, which Kara soundly dispatched herself, <laughs> uh, he was afraid of her. You know, he wasn't afraid of me; he was afraid of her. And uh, she just like in the name of Jesus, and the guy just—he's gone. So if you need her to pray for you, that's a really good person. If the guy out of the bottomless pit's coming up to mess with you, just go to the carriage. He'll pray for you. And he, he scared half out of his wits of her. I am too. No. <laughs> no, she's, she's lovely. I think we're in love. I, I honestly, I think we're completely in love. Uh, but you'll have to ask her. <laughs> you know how us guys are. We don't really know. Um, but the following Monday... The Lord tells me, you're playing games with me. And I said, I'm not playing games with you. I'm like your guy. I'm, at least I'm one of your guys. Uh, I know there's probably 7,000 more, possibly. But I'm at least one of them. And uh, no, you're playing games with me. And this is, this is why I go back to my earlier point about overcoming and about what's really at stake right now in your life and why it matters that you listen to the Holy Spirit. And and I told, I told her, I told Kara, I said, I've got to go spend time with the Lord. I'm going to go take an hour walk with him. Then I'm going to take another hour walk with him. Then I'm going to take another hour walk with him. And then I'm going to like, commune with him. I'm going to attempt to commune with him intentionally as much all day as possible. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to break in. You know how we broke in together this morning uh, as our worship team is leading us. And then you can feel how it's not. And then you can feel the transaction, right? The transition, 
I'm going to wait until I break in. I'm not going to count any prayer or time with the Lord till I break in. You know what I'm saying? And you have to be highly intentional about that. You can't just be like easy peasy, lemon squeezy. You, you have to be intentional in your time in fellowship with the Lord. And that's what he meant, I think, with me. is like, you're playing games. I want intentionality in breaking through. And as you know, there's so many things that are trying to darken the door of our mind all the time. I mean, we have work, we have friends, we have family, we have, we have all kinds of things going on, responsibilities. And the Lord's like, stop playing games with me. Stop it. Because here at the end of the age, like what we're in the middle of is so, so amazing, serious, beautiful, you know, serious. That we, we really need to be intentional. And so, because even though the Lord's paid for, your, paid for your path, even though it's covered under the blood, you must participate with Him. Um, Daniel was um, three times a day administrating a whole kingdom. And so, I don't think any of us have any excuse no matter. If you can administrate a whole kingdom and spend three times a day with the Lord, then all of us can because I don't... I know some of you are administrating kingdoms in here. But still, if Daniel was doing it, you can too, right? And I know that you're in your facet of the kingdom, obeying the Lord, doing what he wants you to. But there must be an intentionality, hear me, about breaking in. And out of the observable, everything is bringing us into observation all the time, trying to tell us a different story. It's wanting to get our mind even on whatever it is, even very good things that, are, that we must do, that, that happen every day, and to get us to measure uh, things based off that which is observable. But this kingdom of God, like I read to you earlier out of Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, does not come by observation. It doesn't come by uh, uh, measurement. And we're really good at that. As human beings, we're good at calculations, some of us. Not everybody does math. Sometimes math makes certain people angry. Um, they get angry math. But we have different capacities that we operate in. And the Lord's not opposed to taking time to enter into a kingdom that is not observable. That you can't draw this material out of this age or this framework you're relating to what Hebrews calls the age to come. It's another age. And another, a whole different uh, storyline. And um, I remember when the Lord said this to me, He says, you're so focused on the external, you would never have paid attention to the eternal. If I wouldn't have broke you and afflicted you. And he's right. I was jet set. Uh, I well, I better not say that out loud. But I, I was jet set. Now I had my path. Now everything was observation for me. That's what makes you who you are, right? No. Well, we know better, right? <laughs> so let's, let's uh, I recommend you take notes today. But this hopefully is being recorded. And so if you don't take notes, please listen to this event again multiple times. I'm going to go over a lot of material, and uh, I'm going to try to do this in 10 minutes. No. <laughs> so there's a path. 
And what I what I want to what I want to do today this is my assignment. I've been receiving this from the Lord for the last four weeks. Of what I want to do today is I want to lay out a a rough structure on the path that I believe uh, I've received this from the Word that all men and ladies uh, would would take. Um, this is the path of human development related to the soul. It's, it's uh, something that I've shared my story, and some of you listen to the podcast. Uh, you can go back and listen to uh, some of those podcasts out of the autobiographical or autobio uh, series that I have, and maybe can help give some kind of frame of reference for this. But I want to just, in short, say that there's a path of human development that the Lord, when He made you, um, places us on in a path towards uh, restoration. Now, as you know, man failed. Uh, mankind fell in the garden. And Adam and Eve fell um, in their disobedience to the Lord. The Lord had said, in the day that you eat of this fruit, of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, making your own judgment about things, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so, um, as many of you already know, that when man started to partake of their own observable knowing, based out of their own truth, whenever man began, when man did that, man failed. And mankind now was sent to the east. And a flaming uh, cherub was set up to guard the path back to the garden. I believe uh, the Lord did not want man immortalized in their sin. And now man must is going to die because he doesn't want an immortal who has to live immortally broken. I mean, that, that would be, I don't think it would even work, but, you know, so man goes east. And this is an important concept. Uh, the Lord's, like, really placed importance uh, to me on this, that it was east. And... Um, I remind you, and I think I did a few weeks ago, that Lot, in Genesis 13, um, you're going to see him pick up, and he says, and, and, and Lot set his eyes towards the, to the east. And he, he looked towards Sodom. And so, and going back, and what happens is, after the fall, Adam and Eve are sent out of the garden, then Canaan, the Cain and Abel debacle happens and Cain kills Abel. And it's interesting, Cain travels more east. He's going to go uh, more east. We got a little bit east, now we're going more east. And later on, you're going to pick up in the, the fall of man. You're going to read on through uh, Genesis 6, 7, Noah. You're going to move on to Genesis 11. And uh, the story of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. And, and so now mankind has went even more east towards uh, Babylon uh, or Babel or, or Babylon. And, and um, you know, and, and man gets together and says, let's build a basically a portal-based system where we can access the heavens out of our own ingenuity. And so they're, they're wanting to basically do a CERN Basically, it's what it what it is in in some way. Uh, let's do a let's do a particle accelerator in Genesis 11. 
And, and as you, you know, as mankind has got more and more debased, even, I mean, even post-flood, even after the, the Noah and his family, it's got even, even more debased. Now let's build us a particle accelerator that can pierce through the heavens and they recognize something about portals and, you know, uh, let's, let's build something that can go up because they, they recognize something about heaven and earth being brought together and they're seeing something there. And as you know, the Lord says, uh, well, man can do whatever they want to, and so I'm going to scatter and all over the earth. And so now God has scattered all the, family, the families in different language groups all over the earth and scatters them everywhere. And I want to suggest this as I lay the foundation for this, that mankind has been pushed out east from Eden, east, east, and more east and sent into exile. And so now man is exiled globally. They're exiled from Eden. And so Genesis 12 begins, right? And you know the story. The Lord picks him a guy and his wife out of Ur of the Chaldees, which Chaldeans were Babylonian. And he picks him, a guy out from Babylon, Abram and Sarai, and he picks them and he says, I'm going to start with this little, this little family. And you know the story. Abram and Sarah, they struggle in believing the word of the Lord. It takes 25 years for them to get, for Abram, just, uh, excuse me, Romans 4.18 says this, Abram hoped against hope. Abram it took him 25 years to get his eyes off the direct object of Sarah's womb and get his eyes on the direct object, which is the Lord. It, it took that suffering, Hagar, Ishmael, the brokenness in the human family that they're going through. And that story is a phenomenal story. To get that man where he would really, really be, I believe, being transformed and transfigured himself where he began to look so much like the Lord, uh, more and more like the Lord. Through that process, those 25 years, Abram and Abraham's names, you know, later when we change it, Sarah, they were going through this experiential change that I'm speaking to you about today. The 25 years, and, I, and many of us believe, I, I think, that Ishmael made the process longer. And the Hodge today and all that problem, you know, that comes from that side of the family and the brokenness. And, and we know that God is sovereign and in some way that was allowed. And it's, it's part of God's it's sovereign purposes. It may be hardly anybody can fully understand the Lord like that. But he has a reason and a purpose and everything's done. And so the family is already going through some level of brokenness and, of, you know, sending Hagar and Ishmael uh, out cause her a bond woman and you know but then ends up taking care of her. You know the story, right? And then Isaac comes and then Isaac, if you really love me, sacrifice the one who I promised the seed to come through. And so when we start to find this language of this star like seed or this this seed that's being placed in Abram by the Lord is going to go through Isaac, go through Jacob, and now Jacob's going to have a family of through four ladies, he's going to have a family of 12. 
the 12 tribes of Israel. And within that family, the Lord is going to install two things. He installs within Reuben, he gives him the birthright and the scepter. Reuben is given this birthright and scepter, and then Reuben sins against his daddy uh, with Bilhah. And then the Lord splits this birthright and the scepter, and he takes the birthright, and he puts it in Joseph, and he takes the scepter, and he puts it in Judah. And now that thing's going to run forward. That birthright and scepter's in the family. And it's going to run up, and let's just take it right up to Joshua and Caleb. Uh, that Joshua the Ephraimite, Caleb the Judean. Caleb, Caleb's got the scepter. Joshua and Ephraimite, who comes from Joseph, who's selected by Joseph, is going to take this, the birthright with the scepter. And, you know, Israel's going to fall in the wilderness 40 years, and then they're going to take that thing forward, right? Woo! And they're going to begin something called the conquest. And they'll start something called a southern campaign. And then they're going to have a northern campaign. You know, this is really important. I'm just laying you out a little short order story. As the southern campaign begins in the, the, the northern. Now, remember, this is after, I didn't mention it, but this is after Moses will take them out of Egypt, lead them through the wilderness. Now they're going to start the process of the southern and northern campaign. Now, I want to suggest this to you. That when the Lord saved you and then called you out of Egypt, that sometime after your salvation, which I would uh, say you were invited by the Lord, he, because He doesn't force Himself on man, but He makes an encounter with you and saves you, an invitation came to you that... When you left Egypt, you were initiated into a journey by the Lord. Some of you remember that. Now, I believe mostly that's when people were filled with the Spirit. They're initiated by the Spirit to lead them. Now, because remember this, when the Lord was, when the Spirit of God um, came on him, what does it say about him? He was immediately what? Sent into the wilderness. And so when this, because everybody's like, well, we're spirit-filled uh, church or whatever. I was like, no, you just got started. You're, you're just now going to be uh, crossing the Red Sea. <laughs> you know, don't hold that up as, a, I mean, it's beautiful to be led by the Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But so much of the church built whole things around. I was like, you guys ain't even out of Egypt yet. You just got initiated by the Spirit of God to lead you through uh, the sea, and he's going to start the journey with you. And you and I, all of us, because when the Lord restores a human being, he takes them down a certain path. There's a way that he leads us. And uh, he leads us, and the typology, or the type of that is right there in the Old Testament. And it's epitomized in Jesus because he's going to walk it out for humanity right in front of us, right in the text, in the New Covenant. But so, so we have this picture now that we feel with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to initiate you into the, into the wilderness. And so now starts the journey. 
And 14 days to Sinai, 14 days really, it wouldn't have taken that long for them to enter right into the promised land. And to cross, make another crossing at the Jordan. And, and maybe it wouldn't take us a long time. This is why I think the Holy Spirit's like, I really want you to talk about this path. <laughs> because, well, first of all, to give us a framework. And then, because then I have best practices on how to accelerate your path. And so Israel uh, comes into the wilderness, and, you know, there, there's all kinds of things about the wilderness. You know. I remember studying all these little aspects, because when Karen and I, when I left the Air Force, the Lord lets me know, you've been initiated or whatever, welcome to the wilderness. And oh, it was a wilderness. <laughs> right up there on top of that mountain in Saluda, also known as Horeb. Yeah, anyways, it's... A rocky nothing place. <laughs> Anyways, and we get initiated, and then here we go. We're on, we're on the journey. We're on the track. Now, and, you know, I want to say that some people, they get really comfortable with wilderness-based mindsets and ideologies, and they believe that relating the way the wilderness operates and things, they get used to it, and they think that that's the way things go with the Lord. And, um, and it's really confusing for numerous people because they're, they're stuck in that place and uh, um, in a mindset. You know, one of the mindsets is, well, the Lord's going to, he gives you manna every day. Because, you, know? you know, when you want to go, uh, when you get ready to take the promise, man, you have to take it. It's, it's not, it's a different posture. Mm -hmm. uh, posture isn't sit back, easy comings, uh, we'll take care of everything. I'll give you an example. Remember when the, the Lord tells his disciples, and I think it's Luke 22 or so. I could be wrong on that. But he, he basically tells them, take your, your bag and these other things that you have and go sell them and buy what? A sword. And they're like, they bring back two swords and he said, that'll do. Now he was changing them off of the system that they had been operating in that had made provision for them and switching switching the game to um, now I'm going to weaponize you uh, meaning that in, in case with us as believers you're going to learn how to wield your weapon or you're not going to make it <laughs> you know you're going to either learn the word of God or you're, you're not going to survive because that's what happens when you get uh, into the promised land and so back to the this thing, Joshua, Caleb, birthright and scepters in the promised land. And there's nine kings in the southern kingdom campaign, and there's 22 in the north. I had the Lord walk our family through all 31 of those kings. There are 31 aspects of the human soul that the Lord wants to redeem inside of us. There's 31 of them. I remember I was saying, Lord, that's amazing. And and someone gets on TV, and it's during this whole gender thing that's been going on with, there's like five genders or ten genders. or This person gets on the TV and they said, there's 31 genders. And I was like, well, no, there's not. But they were on to something in the sense, but there is 31 broken places inside of you. <laughs> it's not genders, it's, it's strongholds that are set up inside of man when man fell. And, and so um, 
So in the southern kingdom campaign, and um, the first king you come up on, who knows it? Who knows it? What's the first one? What's the first city they come up into and have to take down? Jericho. Jericho. And what's the first lesson that they have to learn at Jericho? Yeah, they have to learn to be quiet. <laughs> learn to be quiet, execute on the word of the Lord. That they learn the principle of first fruits. First fruits is the first principle in any uh, kingdom expansion in a in the promised land, a first fruits mind, a first fruits understanding is primary to the Lord. That even in this first place that you take, everything is to go to the house of the Lord. Now, you know, you don't hear me talk much about money here. I don't do that because it creates so much problem with people. But I want to tell you, I, I want to tell you very clearly, and uh, our family practices this. You should give your first fruits to the storehouse of the Lord where you belong without exception, and never miss that. Uh, that is very important to the Lord. And I can take you through text all throughout Scripture, Old and New Covenant. Uh, it proves that. There is, there is no movement forward where a first fruit is withheld from the Lord. Uh, Jer Jericho was a sign of that. And why, why is that? Who took the uh, first fruit hid it underneath their tent? Achan. What did the Lord do to Achan? How did Joshua do to Achan? Killed him. Killed him, his wife, his children, and his cattle. And a pile of rocks in, the, I believe, it was the Valley of Achor. It was so serious what he did. He took two things. He took some gold and silver. And he took, he took what some people believe, and I, I kind of believe this. He took the, the robe of the king of Jericho. Now, I think he did this because he comes from the family of Zerah. And I don't know if you know who Zara is, but Zara was Perez's twin brother. Zara is the one who stuck his hand out of Tamar's womb, and they put a red ribbon around his hand, pulled it back, and then Perez came forth. Perez is the line of Jesus. But Zara, I think, was saying, hey, I'm a king too. I come from my daddy Judah. And Achan shows up later uh, out of Zara's bloodline saying, I'm a king too, and I want my robe now. And I want my gold and silver. He puts it underneath the tent. He steals the first fruit of the Lord. Everything that's first fruit was to go to the Lord. He takes the first fruit offering of the Lord, puts it under his tent. 36 men in the camp die over that one man's sin. First lesson in the first king that has come down is the first fruits belong to the Lord. Now, I remember the Lord, man, making that such a point because the second king is Ai. And, you know, they, they go up to raise Ai to tear it down. Now, does Ai, does that name Ai, does that sound familiar today? Has anybody heard that at all? Ai? I mean, you know, the Lord showed me. He said, it's, I'll tell you what it really is. It's adultery and idolatry. He said, it's broken image of adultery and it's broken likeness of idolatry. It's the breakdown of, of mankind. And he said, that's what Achan stole. He, he wanted the idolatry of gold and silver and he wanted the garment of adultery instead of the garment of righteousness that I would clothe him in. And when he stole the first fruit, that's the first thing he did, was he was deciding for himself that his heart was adulterated and idolatrous, Ai. 
And that's all that AI system is. The system that is all over the earth today. The AI, the system. It's adultery and idolatry. Because it's a dependent system on something other than the Lord himself. You can't do um, think tank AI stuff uh, in worship. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, run us a thousand, a million, billion calculations on what the Lord's saying today about stardust and peptides and see if AI could produce that. As chat GPT will not produce that. You can't get that information from anywhere. And the Lord made it that way. And so 36 men die. A company of people die when we give ourselves to a false system like that. And that, that system is an antichrist system. But I'll tell you that when we decide in our own hearts and adulterate or idolatrize our own hearts by deciding about first fruits, we're doing the very same thing. That we can look at it and point a finger at it, but the Lord made that clear in the text. And that, I'm going to challenge you to read it yourself. I know that he made that clear to us. I was like, well, so they go to raise AI. 36 men die. They find out what's the problem. Joshua goes pleased with the Lord. Hey, that guy over there did exactly what I told him not to. Stone him to death. Now I'll tell you, you know, thank God for the cross right now. Thank the Lord for Jesus' blood. But I, but I also want to say that there's a judgment seat of Christ coming. The, we need to be serious about our relationship with the Lord and really know our text very well and not just play games with that because the Lord is going to deal with all that at JSOC. And that's not Joint Special Operations Command. That's, that's what we call it uh, in the military. But that's the judgment seat of Christ. So, so then he said, well, let's go do it again. They take AI circling approach. They come in from the back. They deal with the thing. And they're moving on to the next thing. Next thing, five more kings. Amorite kings. Now, years ago, I preached through every one of these, all five kings, as we were going through it. Amorite means talker. And Amorite is every, if you study etymology, all five of those kings, their intentionalities that lie underneath speech. They're, it's fascinating. One of them's trying to like, diminish their self through their speech and false humility. The other one's real arrogant and boastful. It's wild, but it's all speech pattern based. I, I don't have them all laid out for you right now. And they're all put into the eighth king, which is Makeda, which is in, in a cave or whatever. Eight kings, then they go take the ninth king, I think was Libna or something like that, and it means life. In the southern campaign, Nine kings, that relates to the likeness of man. Likeness being the structure of the human soul that's related to the form of man. The way humans were formed, there's nine aspects inside of your soul of like um, forms. Um, like sort of like cats. Your soul has like these forms in them and those forms have been cracked and broken and when the war begins to restore human beings, he will begin to repair the form. Sometimes he has to take the whole form like, and uh, break it and then reform it. And he will reform a new cat, cast a new form inside of us. There's nine of them. It's inside of, of us and it's laid out inside of our humanity. And they began the northern campaign. 
And those 22 kings are related to image. They're the feminine aspect. And so when the Lord deals with our likeness, then he'll deal with our image. And there are massive image issues. And if you study the 22 kings, they all make themselves lead together with one guy. And he gets them all together. And he brings uh, this whole thing against Israel. And then they deal with that. Now, I'll share this with you. Um, while I was going through this, it took over three years to go through those 22 kings. Maybe three and a half. Might have been exactly. Uh, it took longer to go through the nine kings. It took like almost ten years to deal with the forms. It took less time to deal with the uh, image kings, uh, 22, until last November to finish the 31st king. Now, I'll share this with you because this was really helpful. And I didn't really like Psalms 119 uh, because it seemed highly repetitive to me. But if you read Psalms 119, you'll find it has the 22 Hebrew letters in it. And the Lord, what he did is he took the Aleph, the Bet, the Gimel, the Dalet, the Hay, the Vav, the Zion, on and on. He took each one of those and he used them as the beginning of those 22 kings. And he took me on a path in Psalms 119. And every verse of Psalm 119, I had an encounter with the Lord. Um, all the way through to the end. And what you find in Psalms 119 is... In Psalms 119, I believe, and maybe some of you know this, but I think there's 10 different type words. I think it's 10, like in the Ten Commandments. But there are 10 Hebrew words that stand for like precepts, commandments, uh, aspects of, they, they basically govern the whole entire human. Like how you relate socially, how you relate governmentally, how you relate familially. I mean, it's, it, precept, it, it covers every different aspect to put a human being back in place, to put the order back into us for a total of 31. Well, when the Lord basically conquests in partnership with us, he conquests the human soul and deals with it. Now, later on, you'll watch that Israel go into a period of judges. So after the conquest, there's a period of judges. And then there's going to come a period of, of the uh, kings. And who's the, first, uh, who's the first big guy that David takes down? It's threatening Israel. Goliath. And I don't know if you know this, but Goliath has four other brothers that David and his guys are going to deal with at the end of his reign before Solomon comes online. Well, there's five more Hebrew letters. They're called five finishing letters. There's a total of 27, 22 men and then these five finishing letters. And so the Lord begins to challenge us uh, in relationship to giant killing. Now, I like that song to even plays. I believe uh, Tim, his brother, wrote that song. Um, what's the name of it? Giants. Giants. <laughs> you know, the song is saying, I didn't come into this wilderness for nothing. Now, we didn't come through the wilderness uh, for nothing. So what the Lord does, and I'll lay this just a little bit different, when he begins with you in the wilderness, he'll begin to see inside of us what's something that I believe Mike Bickle calls a bridal paradigm. And then out of the bridal paradigm will come your training in sonship. So in the wilderness, the bridal paradigm, the lay the function of uh, the Father's love into us and restore us back. And then comes sonship. This is the part of this conquest. 
And then now airship. Why? To lead us to something called throneship. And so you have this kind of picture of human development uh, related to the path. Of God restoring us back to full covenantal union with him. Does this sound auspicious? Does it seem overwhelming? <laughs> the Lord has paid for the whole path for you. He, he's covered it. And I want to say that the Lord is the Lord is a God of order. Now, one time I said, Lord, I, how, how does this kind of look? And it's like a, he shows me this. He takes this like big ream of white paper like this. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with you, it's like he's given this whole big ream of white paper with check boxes. And he said, well, I have um, Annie Nolan here. Um, got her at the top here. And, uh, okay, start with uh, check box number one. I said, okay, Annie, we, we've got to go this path. I've laid this same path out for everybody. But, well, wait a minute. Anne doesn't have... Well, she don't have that issue when she when her family failed. Didn't have that issue. Well, we're, the blood's covered that in their family life. Well, we, we can go past that one. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, there's something right there. You know. Well, wait a minute though. But Tom Gross, he doesn't have that one, that issue. Well, she's gonna fly past him. You know, look at her. He's gonna fly past her because wait a minute. That, okay, and then wait a minute. Some pages are missing out of uh, uh, Janie McMahon's. Janie Colby McManus. They're missing. The pages are missing. Because she's just holy in all those areas. <laughs> right, Tommy? <laughs> and she's like, come on, Tom. I'm trying to catch, catch up with me. <laughs> and then Tom gets down the road a little bit. And he's flying forward. And she's kind of like, well, all his pages were missing. And hers are all there. Because the Holy Spirit is, he's got a, like a checklist. He's, the, he's our God. He's, okay, okay, and then we're going to go to the next page. And then sometimes we get in a local fellowship, we can relate. I, I know that story. I, I, I remember that one. And we relate, and we like to tell our stories and stuff. So I, know, I understand what you're going through. I went through that very same thing. I had that same exact test. That's crazy. But you can imagine that, you know, maybe some people's papers are like this high. I think mine were like this high. <laughs> You know, and Karen's are like this tall. You know, it's like holy, just all the way through. You know, I'm just kidding. She's not without sin. <laughs> Only Jesus was. But you can see how Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, and Israel's 40 years. You know, and then we've been through some stuff, right? And we don't know how this is, but we do see that there is there is a way that God does things. And there's a timing of it, and there is a place. Now, I don't know, I think Austin has probably asked me this question a few times. Like, hey, I want to know where I'm at on the journey. I want to ask the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I'll close this out today because I've probably run over. And then I, because next week, I think what I'll do is I'll give you best practices on how to accelerate your path next week. And I'll tell all your friends to come. <laughs> You want to get along this path fast. I've, I promise you, I have it from the Lord. The fastest, most accelerated path. And you want this path because you want the path. You want the full, well, kid, don't y'all want the full completion of what Jesus paid for? Yes. Yeah. Amen. 
We want the whole thing, right? Hook, line, and sinker. I, didn't, I don't want just a partial thing on this. I want the, I want the whole thing. I, when he showed me this, I was like, let's do this. I had no idea what I was talking. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> but still, and glorious. Because the cleaner you get, the I mean, it's just, you just clean up so nice and you look so good. Uh, by the time you get through so much stuff and then these things that were bothering you don't bother you anymore. And it's beautiful. And so, uh, let's say it like this. Uh, the conquest, then the crown. Or another way is out of the conquest and your airship training, you're raised up uh, for throne ship training. You're raised up for the crown. Uh, David raised up his generation and restored. Now, Jesus, Acts 3.21, you hear me mention this quite a bit. He's been, he's under a retainer until the restoration of all things. I believe that the Lord is looking for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. Uh, Jeremiah said that, that this fullness is a quality of a people, not just a quantity. I'm, I'm sure that the Lord knows how many people, but I don't think, I think he's looking for a quality. I believe he's looking for a people that are like fully restored. I mean fully. That are so like uh, transformed, transfigured, changed so much that the Lord says, it says in Acts 3.21, he's retained into the heavens until the restoration of all things. Now wouldn't you like to be one of those people that the Lord's looking at saying, now that's a fully restored one. That's a fully restored one. I just want a fully restored people. And then, well, the father's like, hey, man, go down there and get your bride. That your people have been made ready. And see why this is important to the Lord. Now, you know, you may have questions. Write them up on Team Reach or send them to me or whatever about this. But the Lord is a God of order. He's, he doesn't violate his order. I, I know some of us, like, especially me, I remember back in the fire department days, and, you know, it was rough, you know, it was hard. And I, I remember I said, Lord, how can you accelerate this path? And this is one thing he said to me, do whatever I tell you. You know, whatever I say, do it. Whatever I reveal to you, do it. Do exactly what I tell you to do, and the journey will accelerate. And that's the most simplest thing to say. Whatever the Lord says to do, do it. And why is this important? Well, I came into the understanding from the Lord, and I mentioned this earlier, that besides what you gain out of it, this is what's going to get our king back. And if you're tired of watching the mother knuckleheads like we're on the earth, then let's get on with it. Let's quit playing games and and like I was. So that Apollyon has come to my house scared of living daylights out of me. Let's not play games with the Lord. Let's just go on with it. Uh, don't be afraid because the Lord, He's a rewarder. He'll reward you. He's a great blesser. He loves you. Alright, let's stand together. Israel was at her zenith in the days of uh, David and Solomon. This crown had been seated in, uh, to a nation. Uh, and as we know, in Solomonic era, it even failed because he didn't obey the word of the Lord out of Deuteronomy 17. Number one, it says, a king 
should only have one wife. It says he shouldn't amass silver and gold to himself. It says that he shouldn't think of himself more highly than the people that he served as king. He did all three, he did all the things he wasn't supposed to do. And it's a great tragedy. And it's so tra tragic. But then we have this king, though, that came. Our king, the Lord. And he solved all of it. He did it. He did it shamelessly and he did it flawlessly. So the Lord, our Lord, has paid for this whole path for you. He's covered it. The way he put it to me years ago is I paid your fare. I paid for your faith. I paid for your adversity. I paid for your rest. And I paid for you to expand. So every time you're uh, coming up on a wall and you're hitting another place, and because you're going to. Now, I'm not here to suggest or even know where any of you are at on this journey, but you're on one. You're on the path of the Lord. Uh, some of you have been recovered after long seasons of just feeling like you've been vacated by the Lord. And I, I don't know. Some of you have been through long years outside the church. The Lord led you out. He led you uh, to himself to know him. But as we, we close, and we draw nigh to him and draw near up to his heart and say, Lord, like open my eyes. Open my eyes that I may behold you and know you and see you. I want you back. You know, I, I really want you back. The Bible says that the spirit and the bride says, come. Um, I want you to come. And he's like, I want to come back. Um, will you partner with me? Will you uh, follow me? Will you, will you say yes to um, my tender Holy Spirit when He speaks to you? Will you just acknowledge that, uh, that I've given you the greatest guide, that you don't even need another guide? You just need me. And I'm right here with you. The Word is nigh you that's even in your mouth. The Word which we speak, uh, the Word of God is right there in your mouth, uh, ready to perform and uh, ready to act upon it. Uh, listen, I, I tell you something that's beautiful about this too is, well, some of us, it's going to sound crass, but we boogered up some part of our journey, okay? So, so what? So what? Uh, push the lead, repent, and let's move on. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. Like, let's not get in sh uh, shame. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And let's, let's let go of the guilt. I don't know. I shouldn't have done that. It doesn't matter. Like, it only matters to the extent that you turn your eyes to the Lord then say, well, I don't know, but I'm going to set my eyes on you. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to let the guilt of all this past stuff like erode my relationship with you right now. And I'm, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you already said don't think about tomorrow. Just live right now. So we're making a decision like that in our heart today. And when you're present and in the moment, with him. It's so fast that way. And so we're like uh, submitting to him right now. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit like I was when I slammed my Bible down at 13 and I said, I'll take no Holy Spirit. I, I thought he'd have me running upside of walls and stuff. Now I kind of like to. That'd be cool. Just go run upside of a wall that, or run through a wall. <laughs> but uh, then it scared me so bad to be submitted to a God that I couldn't see. But listen, you can trust Him. You can submit if you want to. Just submit to this wonderful Holy Spirit that has got the best in mind. 
And so they trust Him. So they say, I want the path. I want the path, and I want the path to go forward. Amen? amen. Yeah, yeah. I never ask for amens, but you should amen that one. Yeah. All right, let's come for communion. We'll take it together as Stephen uh, sings. It was our weakness we carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. Weighed him down. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow
is uh, Michael Collins brought this to my attention last week. I think it's so important. Uh, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Um, the, the best way that you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit is not to have a burden. It's, it's just to throw the burden off. And the yoke that the Lord yokes you up with Him, it's light. It, it's, uh, it literally is light. Um, we found out, him and I did some uh, Greek study together, and we found out it connects to, I believe it was 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 17, and it says, basically the idea is, is when you receive that light, the yoke that's light, it leads to glory or doxa. And so, when you, when you are in this path, uh, if you find yourself being burdened down and like uh, under the weight of something, it hinders us from like receiving and hearing from the Lord. So I, I recommend it, that you just throw the burden off. Uh, don't carry around a burden that like uh, Stephen singing, uh, Jesus singing through him. Don't carry around a burden that he's already paid for. Um, don't carry it. Just give it to him. But he's already covered it. And so I believe that's uh, the best and one of the most easiest ways uh, for uh, that burden. If, if you need to repent, then repent. Uh, get the burden off your shoulder and receive the voice of the Holy Spirit into your soul. Saying, this is the way. Uh, walk ye in. And the Lord, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. For you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I thank you, Lord. I bless your name, Lord. I honor you, Lord. I thank you for this journey that you placed us on. I give you honor. I give you the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us into it. All things new. Oh, a brand new day. A brand new clean heart. A brand new consciousness. A consciousness free from sin. We receive from you, Lord. It's because of you. It's because of you. Make shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.
my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. For behold, my bridegroom comes. Yes, behold, my bridegroom comes. Yes, behold. Bridegroom, come. My lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night.